Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wegovy and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com/weightloss. That's plushcare.com/weightloss. plushcare.com/weightloss. All right guys, welcome. I'm excited this week. I really am. Why? Welcome to the Ryder Cup special edition of the Rickshaw's Golf Show podcast. Episode is. 202. It's Ryder Cup week. Mm. Honestly, I, I after this weekend's Solheim Cup, which we are going to talk about because it was bloody epic, mm. I am throffing at the mouth, quite literally. Yeah, it's a bit... For, I know, it's a bit Why weird, is it blue? It? <laughs> I'll wipe it off. Uh, for the Ryder Cup this week. Of course it is. I just, I just, honestly, I am in so much excitement, mm. anticipation. This week's episode... Uh, once me and Guy have chatted Sorry. for a period of time about how excited we are in the Solheim Cup, we've got a guest on today, which honestly, stay tuned, because I think it's one of the most insightful uh, podcasts we've ever done. Yeah. We, it was a proper grown-up conversation mm. with the course architect, the course designer of Marco Simone, the Ryder Cup course in Rome, Dave Sampson. We chat everything about Ryder Cup, the course design, how did it, how did it become um, the, the course it is now? If you watched this week's, or last week, should I say now, the most recent Break 75, Dave made somewhat of a cameo um, in, the, in the video. This week, we'd sat down, and, was it last week we recorded it, even two last weeks week, ago now? Uh, last Maybe week it was, last yeah. Monday. And we had, like you said, such an insightful chat with him. He's such an interesting bloke. And I, I think people listening, truthfully, are really, really going to enjoy this. So, yeah, sit back and um, and kind of uh, wait for that interview because this is going to be a bumper, bumper length podcast this week. Mm. Um, yeah, so I'm excited. I'm actually going to the Ryder Cup. I'm Not flying jealous. out on Thursday. Um, I am there for kind of a bit of a chill out vibe on Thursday. I might go to the course. I might watch a bit of practice. But I'm going to be there at 4.30 a.m. <laughs> Friday morning, I am going to be on that first tee box, front and centre. Look out for me if you're watching on TV. I am going to inject that atmosphere into my veins. My my blood will run blue mm. this week with European blood. And, I, and I, genuinely, I was there in Paris in 2018. It's one of the most memorable sporting 
um, events, even just that that Friday tee off, the first player, first players teeing off, like gives me goosebumps. It's you know incredible. what? You know what's crazy? So I dropped you off at the airport to go to the Ryder Cup in 2018. Obviously, I didn't attend, and truthfully, I was I was happy that you were going. I was looking, I knew you were looking forward to it. I wasn't remotely jealous that I, I don't know why I wasn't bothered. I knew I was going to watch it on TV. It was like, oh yeah, I'm sure I'll have a good time. This year, however, I can't go. I've got some family plans, but. I actually am super, super, super. That's three supers. Make it four. Super jealous. You've you, your Ryder Cup tone has changed enormously, and, and I know, I know. You still said last week about not sure what side. You know, you're not as fully committed to Europe, but as a sporting oh. event, you can't. You cannot neglect its its magnitude. Hear me out. I'm committed to Europe. I want Europe to win. Don't get that wrong. However, if it was, it never will be again. If it was still GB and I, or even just England, I would be even more passionate about it. However, I am European. Europe are going to win here. You've heard it here first. And um, I'll be watching the TV for two reasons. Firstly, to, to watch the Ryder Cup, obviously, and, and the, all the action. I'll also be looking for you in the crowd. Oh, you'll see Ricky yeah, in will. the crowd this but maybe week. you'll be in the swanky VIP bits. I will be, yeah, right. So you might also, not. I'm going, to be getting, I'm going to be getting as close to the action as I physically am allowed to without getting kicked out. Am I right in thinking the Ryder Cup you've been, obviously you know, is it the most rowdy fans you're going to meet? It's amazing. Honestly, I, I'm trying to think now how many Ryder Cups have I been to. Um, I went to, obviously, Paris. I went to Celtic Manor in 2010. I didn't go to Glen Eagles in 2014 because um, my daughter had just been born. That's right. She she wasn't above. We were going to go, but you have to be six months or something before you can go. And she was only like two months right. old. Um, obviously, I went to, so I've actually, this has only been my third Ryder Cup, actually. I felt like I'd been to more. Um, Celtic Manor was crazy. I mean, it was a really random Celtic Manor because in 2010, um, you know, I could be proper Ricky back then. Mm. Like this was way before the world of YouTube. Yeah. I went with, um, I was, I was a lubricated. You could almost be as far as Dick, couldn't you? I, w- I, w- Ricky, I was, you I, was dick. I was a dick. Yeah. You were a Celtic dick. Manor. <laughs> uh, to the point where I did face plant. Uh, I, I was running down a very wet hill. Yeah. And I face planted a path knocked my teeth out, uh, quite literally. My two front teeth were cracked in half. Are they not real then, your two teeth? Half of my two front teeth are not real because of Ryder Cup. Oh, my word. If you look very close, you can see a very faint kind of hairline through the middle. And that was because of um, my friend. um, I went to Celtic Manor with my friend Jack, surname Daniels. Ah, nice. Um, So me... Dick, the dick. The dick. Me as being... Big a, dick. And, and Jack, yeah. my mate, um, he led me astray. Jack that day <sighs> led me astray. And I ended up running down a hill, very wet hill, face planted the tarmac, ended up being, I don't want to say kicked out, mm-hmm. but escorted out and weren't allowed to return. I wonder if YouTube hadn't taken off for you, where you'd be now. <laughs> you'd be the assistant pro pushing for you still go that every weekend as a little as a little done up fiesta i'd be in a bad state yeah. so that was celtic manor um that was the that was the monday finish as well so that was literally because of the rain it went to a wow. monday finish i woke up tuesday not even knowing the result really yeah so sign of a good night so me and Jack aren't going this time, okay? Jack's not You gonna... and Mr. Goose, El Grey Goosio. <laughs> <laughs> you've, you've moved up in the world. I can, I can be Maverick and I can go with Goose, my partner. So, uh, yeah, so then 
I'm going to go sensible this year. You Paris can't. was sensible. I only went for one day last year in Paris. You've gone full was... circle. You had a spell in 2018 of, right, getting mature, a few kids under your belt. <laughs> You've gone back now. <laughs> gone worse. So Paris, I was a lot more sensible. I went for Friday. I, I had a great time. Don't get me wrong. I ended up in some very random French restaurant at 11 p.m. on, on the in Thursday. In France, did you? <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> um, and... That was a, that was a very eventful Friday. Yeah. So who knows? With three full days at the Ryder Cup, and and I'm an, I'm a problem when I'm excited about something. I feel like I can imagine you getting absolutely bladded, somehow wangling your way inside the ropes because you've played the golf course twice now and been around on a buggy once. I know Dave Sampson. Yeah. <laughs> Kepka, don't hit it in that rough, mate. <laughs> Just be a pest. I feel like Kepka. Well, yeah. I, I might be a pest. So I need to be on my best behaviour. Yeah. I need to go with a professional mind. Um, and I'm going to go to enjoy it. But like I say, my, my issue is when I get too giddy for something and I get too excited, which I I genuinely am for the Ryder Cup, I fear for my own safety. How many teeth I will return with is going to be a big question Well, mark. if you only lose half of one, that's a, that's an improvement. improvement. And then I'm going to make a commitment right now on air. Okay. On air, live on air. <laughs> live on Rickshaw's radio. Monday, yeah. after the Ryder Cup, yeah. I fly home mm-hmm. to Manchester. I'm going to commit to being here Monday after the Ryder Cup in whichever way, state or form I'm in. Yeah. And we will do the 203rd episode of the Rickshaw's Golf Show podcast post Ryder Cup. I won't be here. I'm on holiday. Oh, great. I'll be doing my own. No, I'm away next week. Oh, God, right. I'll be doing it on my own then. Um, I'll bring someone in. Bring, we can, we can no, get some. I can, I can, um, I could dial in. Okay. In <laughs> I can, ten, I can dial in. Don't no, have somebody on. Um, have Matt Fryer on. Oh, you know, have Sophie Walker. She's free. She did some very good stuff for the Solheim Cup. Well, we're we're going to come on time yeah. in a minute because that, that was abs- that. I think that's why I'm more excited. Correct. Now. Um, the the Solheim Cup was absolutely fantastic this week. And we need to talk about something we, we really now. Do. Did you see my tweets? No, I don't go on Twitter anymore. Okay, well, I've literally not been on Twitter for years. Right, I'll since it turned into whatever it's called X. now. X. I've got. I've had some. Um, thoughts on it which are uh, yeah i'm gonna read them now no don't ruin it they're being controversial not really a little bit but not really go on okay so let's talk about the solheim cup first it was amazing i didn't watch as much as i would like admittedly but i did watch a good chunk on sunday i watched friday morning so Mm -hmm. um i I put it on the kids were weren't really interested at first i put it on a purpose because it was early tea after before school put it on and again the atmosphere on that first tea was amazing like say it I would love to see a future, and I don't think we'll ever see one because of, it's almost two different governing bodies or whatever, however it all works, where you could almost have the, the female Solheim Cup and the Ryder Cup on the same venue the same week. Like, if it was Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, female, you know, female Ryder Cup, Solheim out. Cup, and then go straight into the men's, I like it. I also thought, and this would never happen, what about a hybrid? Or, or a mix, yeah. I was thinking this the other day, genuinely now, I think if it was six of the, the best European men and six of the best European women, and then obviously the same for America. That could be special. Could be really good. So 
I, I think you could have all three. It could be a whole week of festivals. Like, mm. I think you could have like, every one of those. You can have a female version, a male version, and a mixed the tournament. All stars. Yeah, I think you could have everything. Um, so, yeah, I watched a bit Friday morning. It obviously didn't go the Europeans' way. They were 4 0 down mm. in the morning sessions. And, and I, I, promise, I kind of looked at it and went, oh, God, we're going to get battered here. We did really well in the afternoon to claim some, some dignity back. We did brilliant on the Saturday. I, again, probably similar to you, I had family commitments on Saturday, so I couldn't watch as much. Sunday yesterday, I was absolutely glued to it. Yeah, like 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 it meant the world to me. I mm. was glued to every single shot. Um, the the caliber of golf played under that much pressure, it just b- blows my mind. This is something I want to touch on because we've all seen it. You get the odd fella who's a gimp or an idiot, whatever, on Twitter who plays off two, who pipes up every now and again and says I could they could compete on the LPGA tour or whatever. Right? Nonsense. They're nowhere near the level. But one of the things I was noticing is obviously we know the women don't hit it as far as the men and, and, and don't hit it as far as we hit it. The ball speed is like 150 with the driver. But what they do, obviously it's straight every time anyway, but what they do that is so incredible, they have shots like 140 yards, 150 yards. It's absolutely stiffing it, like so close to the hole. I, I think as well where they're, they're phenomenal are those kind of 180, 190 shots where Hybrids for you and, and me, it's like maybe a five or a six iron and for, for tour pros, it's seven seven iron, probably yeah. Rory can get there. They're hitting these like hybrids with so it's much accuracy. It really is. So it's the, so good. The golf was amazing. The head wall at the end there, where she birded. I think she birded sixteen, seventeen, and actually ended up uh, um, winning on the eighteenth. What a story that was! Because she didn't get a start till Saturday afternoon, and then she went out there in the singles. Um, unbelievable. Sigarda, uh, Siganda, sorry, Siganda. Mm. What? a Solheim Cup it was that for was her. Insane. She went 4-0. 4-0. She didn't lose a match in a home Did country. Did even draw or tie a match as we now say? I don't like tying a match. I don't. I, in fact, I hate tied. What, the, the, the word? Yeah. Yeah. I, I hate the fact. It's, there's no half, there's no all square, it's all tie now. Very Americanized. Is it to appeal to the non-golfer, I suppose? Because all square would be like, what does that mean? Possibly. Tied so much simpler. Yeah, possibly. I don't, I don't like it. Fan. Don't like it. Um, it'll probably grow on us in, in time, but... Um, Honestly, the golf was just absolutely no, incredible. And and it was great that the spotlight being shown, I think it was, I think that's the, my only critique because normally Solheim Cup and Ryder Cup are on opposite years. It's only because mm-hmm. of COVID they've actually now become on, on odd years. And my only fear if they did become really close together as in Solheim Cup straight into Ryder Cup is that Solheim Cup wouldn't be maybe as as uh, spotlighted. So I felt like this weekend, it was like, it was all about the Solheim Cup. Which yeah. was ju- you look all over social media and it's just like, oh my God, this is, this is such a spotlight. Mm-hmm. And from a personal standpoint, Sunday afternoon when I was watching, um, the, my, I've got two girls and a little boy. My two girls, uh, nine and seven, sat down with me on the couch and we were watching it. They got so into it. Mm-hmm. Like, they're asking me, how do, you, how do you hit that shot, Daddy, out the sand? Or, and I was like, I don't really know. <laughs> That's your uncle guy. <laughs> uh, like, they were like, oh my God, that was such a great shot. And and because I was showing passion with the European team and I was showing passion when a put went in or missed, obviously they were mimicking me and kind of copy, somewhat copying my reactions and stuff. But they really got into it. And I was very, very emotional at the end watching Solheim Cup. I think any team event anyway, when I see happiness and what have you, I get super emotional but sat there on the couch and had one girl in one arm one girl in the other watching it and i'm like oh my this is like this is one of the best moments of my life the the, the golf was in leon uh, mcguire is an absolute savage oh my god the Killer. way she's that poor that roseanne gave her 
Yeah, was it dead long? It looked, it was on, I think, 16. Yeah. And it was for the win of the hole for birdie two. Yeah, on 17. On 17. And Roseanne gave it to her. I don't, I must admit, I was on, I was on the uh, stepper at the gym, believe it or not. So I, I was watching, I wasn't really listening That's to like it. It's like a four footer. Yeah, I don't quite understand why she gave it. The only thing was, Rose Zhang had about a four footer for par, and it was still her turn. Yeah. So whether she thought, God, if I miss this, or I don't know, but it was very weird. But no, it, it was. Well, about, about 40 minutes before the end of, of play. I 100% thought USA were going to win it. Mm-hmm. Like they were they were dominating in matches. They were ahead. The projections got them at 15 and a half points. And as, as, I know there's been a bit of controversy online. Well, European didn't win it. But the whole idea of that when you've, the holding champions of it, you only have to retain it. This is my point. You only have to get to 14 points and you retain it. I would have loved uh, Pedersen at the final uh, match to have actually beat Lexi Thompson. Well, she could have halved, I think, couldn't she? Yeah, and but then we would have got 14 point. and a half. Yeah, correct. You wouldn't um, have beat her though. Which, I mean, that put that Lexi hold on 17 was, was incredible. Clutch. I mean, uh, Pedersen was in a super spot, uh, but it would have been nice to take it down the down the last because she was four up. Mm. Lexi was four up with like five to play or something. Yeah, no, like, that, I mean, I think she'd have missed that put. I think we would have got the half in the end. But no, that was my, it was an amazing event. It, it was so good to see women's golf thriving, to see it being rightly so, so high on the agenda of, of just generic sport for the weekend. Never mind just for golf or for women's golf. It was so talked about. The coverage was really good from what I watched. Um and I think for me personally, people may disagree or not, the, the week before the Ryder Cup, it really got me more excited for it. Mm. I felt like there was more attention on it. The fact it was all this back-to-back weeks was really good. If it was in, let's just say, March random time, I don't know if it had been as hyped yeah. for it. I don't or know. March even next year. Yeah, I, I, I don't know, but it was really... The only thing, and again, I, I put this on Twitter, semi-joking with some bites, but there is some truth in it. I don't feel super comfortable with the tie situation at the end, but only because... In some sports, I do get it. So let's just say, make a, an example. We've got Tyson Fury, who's got a cha- who's got a belt in boxing, and you know he's won that, whatever, obviously. And then he fights against Anthony Joshua, and he and, and ends up in a draw. Well, Joshua's not beaten him, so Tyson Fury retains that belt until there's another challenger. I think that makes perfect sense because he, he's won the belt legitimately. He's got the belt. The other person can't beat him, so he keeps the belt. The only thing with it in team sports, and a lot of the response on Twitter were like, oh, it's the same in the Ryder Cup, it's the same in the Ashes, and they get all that, so it doesn't mean that other sports do it, it's correct. I just felt like with it being a tie, to then be presented with the trophy, and, and, the, and not that they shouldn't celebrate, obviously, because it, it didn't feel right, it didn't feel like they'd won it, I think it shouldn't end in a tie, I think there mm. should be some decider. And the other reason as well I think it's a bit dodgy is because, again, if you go to the box analogy and Tyson Fury keeps the belt, Tyson Fury is always Tyson Fury. So if he draws, he's still got the belt. Then he fights somebody else and either keeps the belt or loses the belt. But with the Solheim Cup team or the Ryder Cup team or Cricket the Ashes, the players can change and do change and rookies come in and people go out the team. So let's just say now, obviously, um, the European Solheim Cup have got the, the, the trophy, the cup. Then next year, if they draw and they retain it again, it could be literally a completely different set of players. Yeah. It just doesn't feel right that that's the way. There should be something, I think. Or the other argument, now this is controversial, it would have meant that actually America would win it, so it wouldn't be ideal. What about, we know there's a huge advantage being at home, yeah. the crowd set up the course. What about if it ends in a tie, a draw, the away team yeah. win? I, I wouldn't like that one as much. Well, no, but um, it's... I get your point. I do. I get your point. And and um, I, that I think that's why I was so desperate for them to get to fourteen and a half. Correct. Just almost like it was it was a, it was clear. Mm. We've won it. 
we have gone out there and we've won it. I think, like I say, the advantage of, as you mentioned it in boxing, it's almost like you hold the title and, yeah. and it's then for the challenger to take it off you. But then also your point of swapping players is valid. I think you've got some really valid points. I think what I'd like to see is almost each captain pick a player mm. and they go head to head, sudden death. Yeah. And, and imagine... I'll be in seven... Yeah, it'd be so good. Like, imagine just starting from... It doesn't even matter. Start from the first hole, and the first player to win the hole wins the yeah. whole thing. Imagine the, the scenes then. Yeah. And and that would, again, elevate the spotlight on, on whether it's Solheim Cup, whether it's Ryder Cup, because it happens in Ryder Cup mm-hmm. as well. You've obviously... You get ties. And, you know, we, we've had it in the past where European have retained it. USA have retained it in the past. Um I suppose it just it goes back into history. It's probably how it was many many years ago when Samuel Ryder set it all up. Mm-hmm. Or um, you know, is it, it's pinged into it, Solheim, yeah, Solheim, yeah. Um, the, the Solheim family set it up. So um, I, I'm not sure. No, I'd, I'd, I'd like to have seen a, a definitive winner. Yes, but at the end of the day, the rules are. If it's a tie, the retaining Correct. team win it. Yeah. And the scenes afterwards, I mean, you had the bloody King of Spain there, all around the 17th. I mean, I, I, I mean, and obviously we've got some really good friends who were there. We've got Incy, yes. who did a great job at commentating. Iona, Stephen, huge, uh, you know, both friends of the show were both there in the action. And they did, both did an unbelievable job. And Sophie Walker as well. And Sophie Walker, of course. Sophie Walker was there. You know, to be able to like literally get a microphone as soon as these players have come off the match bang asking them really good questions hard hitting questions and um, yeah it was just brilliant do you think then question for you with whenever I've I don't watch as much women's golf as I'd like to and I don't watch as much men's golf as I'd like to um, just you know commitments in the time it's always on so I want to watch more golf holistically and, and rightly or wrongly and people might pick up on this and not like it if I have to choose between the one I would normally gravitate towards the men's I'm more interested in it that, that's just that's a fact. However, whenever I have watched women's golf and I've watched some of the majors or this Solheim Cup, I have really enjoyed it. If you think about it, like when Wimbledon's on and you've got the men's tennis and the women's tennis, and that's the one sport I possibly pick up on. I know football's really growing, but I feel like in tennis in particular, the women's game does feel as big as the men's. I would say you watch Wimbledon regardless of who's on. Correct. If, if, you, if you're going to flip the TV on, and I... I experienced that in July and my wife is kind of quite into tennis. I'll flick it on. I said, she watched Wimbledon and you flick it on and it actually doesn't matter who's playing. And it's the same when we have our, you know, British favourites, you know, we had Emma Raducanu now, we've had obviously Andy Murray and, and I feel like we get behind them regards of gender, don't we? I wonder if, if we had the Open Championship, if, I don't know how it would work, how logistically it would look, but if it was the men's and women's almost at the same time, at the same venue or, like you said, the week before or something, would that heighten the women's game or and the interest or maybe would it almost suffocate it and the men's story would... I just felt this week, for example, was a perfect example of them kind of... I know they're not the same venue, but kind of the equivalents coexisting together in such a close time frame. And to me, it feels like a big success. It, it, they felt as close to similar events this year than ever before. Mm. Obviously, it's back-to-back on TV which is, and, and all the graphics and everything will be the same for this week as it will be for next week for the mm-hmm. Ryder Cup. It's it's the fact that, to some degree, you had one in Spain and one in Italy. That mm-hmm. kind of feels, and I don't yeah, know, it's, it's the same. It feels like it's very closely connected. It wasn't on different time zones and yeah. things like that. Um, you've got you've got a lot of characters in the world of female golf now. Obviously, Charlie Hull was a great player in the, in the, in the Solheim Cup. Um, you know, we know a lot more players now in the female game because, you know, you've only got 24 players to think about mm-hmm. rather than, you know, 
200, not 200, but 120 at a normal event. Um, yeah, I think Did you see those sections on Sky Sports like get to know and it had like the team would ask them a question like yeah. who would you least want to drive you to the airport yeah. or whatever and they'd, that was good because you got to see the fun side of the team and the different personalities and some of them are a bit more serious some of them are a bit more out there and that was that was really good it has got me even more excited for the Ryder Cup you're right but I do think it was a great week for women's golf and I feel like people like Iona and Incy and Sophie, I've said friends of the channel who do such a good, great thing for women's golf. I bet they're feeling really proud that something that they obviously spend so much time in and around and are so passionate about has this week had such a big impact on the world of golf, kind of full stop. It was, yeah, it was I, great. Yeah, I just, honestly, 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 honestly loved every minute of it. And, and like I say, the, the memories out of all... I've, I've had a, fan, a fantastic, memorable year of the, certain things, whether it's going to Augusta or Open or whatever it may be. But genuinely, that su- Sunday afternoon, sat there with my two daughters watching the Solheim Cup and them getting so into it. And like even today, asking me, "Oh, when can we? When can we go to the driving range next?" And like, music oh my is. god, like, it, well, it is it because I've never wanted to be a pushy parent. I, you know, I really try and make sure that I'm not pushing them to go to the driving range. I've spoke about it on the podcast before. They've got some new golf clubs which they, they're absolutely loving. Little golfing golf clubs they're called it's like dolphin but spelt with a g and like i've been to the driving range a few times i only get them 50 balls mm-hmm. and they get through it really quick way too quick and as soon as they threw it like can i get more balls can i get more golf balls and i'll go no <laughs> let's go and, the, and they're like chomping at the bit yeah. but i want to keep that excitement and for me anything i can do to fuel that fire at the moment whether it's solheim cup whether it's i mean i'm not going to be present for the rider cup because obviously i'm there but whether it's they clutch a bit of the rider cup or they start watching a few youtube videos or <laughs> probably good good fans but like like if they can start anything that can fuel that fire is good for the game i, I agree i think for me and i've said this before i can under as much as I love golf obviously you love golf I'm guessing everyone listening and watching loves golf I can also understand how people can perceive it as boring and certainly if you've got an absolute non-golfer so you've got no interest and put no offence but the DP World Tour on on a Thursday afternoon and it's random guys you've never heard of and it, it's the fourth hole and it's so I can get why people are like I'm not into this I challenge anybody who's got even the most loose interest in sport or competitiveness to watch something like the Solheim Cup or the Ryder Cup on the Sunday in the singles when a player is going down 17 and has a putt of eight foot to win the hole or win the match or win the Ryder Cup, the Solheim Cup, when it's so kind of simple in format and it's, it's mano versus mano, so to speak. I think that is the best way to introduce people as what golf can be at its best. Because I can't fathom how someone can't find that exciting. I know. Uh, for me, it's like, it's this idea with the Ryder Cup that I would not, and I, and I joked about Friday, about being there at 4.30, and I will. I will be on that first tee at, at the crack of dawn. Mm-hmm. I want to be there soaking the atmosphere in because there's not a first tee like it in no. the world of golf. And that's why the grandstand is so huge. And that's why when we've got Dave Sampson on later, his design plans were to make sure that amphitheater around the first hole was electric. And why you've got to have such a great Ryder Cup course with risk reward, drivable par fours. You've got to you've got to tailor it to that kind of middle section of the back nine, whether it's you know thirteen through to seventeen. I've got to be really interesting holes to make match play exciting. Um, but but I don't get like I'm not bothered about the first tee of the open. Really, mm-hmm. somewhat it's quite. They normally have a quite a nice story, whether it's a local player or you know, like this year it was Matty Jordan team mm, off the was first cool. hole on Thursday. But I'm not racing there to be. The, but for the for the Ryder Cup and the Solheim Cup, that that first tee energy, all the very way to the very last putt drops in. Yeah. Every single shot matters, and and you could like I like the to some degree, 
I don't want to turn this into like a controversial kind of topic, but to some degree, when you look at the format of, of Ryder Cup or Solheim Cup, three days, mm-hmm. action-packed, it's not, it's not four days of stroke play, yeah. it's quite condensed into an area, it's loud, it's got music, it's got team elements. Mm-hmm. What, does it, what does it sound like? Live. Sounds like live. But live's rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> but it does. Yeah, no, like it there's, there's elements of it. Yeah, absolutely. But, but, I, I've not. I don't catch the feels with the, with crushers or exactly smackers or whackers yeah. winning because I'm so like because and again it might be how a how a more um, neutral fan maybe watches Solheim Cup or Ryder Cup like an Australian fan or a Canadian fan or whoever probably watches it and goes I'm not really that bothered about it. I think so, but I think there's two things that are different. I think with something like the Ryder Cup or the Solheim Cup, you don't really choose in most good team sports where you you don't choose to become a fan of of whatever that team might be so I didn't choose to become a fan of Liverpool Football Club I'm sure there'll be comments below now whatever my dad was a Liverpool fan I'm from no no not too far away from the ground etc so that's just who I grew up supporting I know your little boy's now supporting Man United because he's been almost told by you and that's how it works convinced yeah you know the American Ryder Cup fans and Solheim Cup fans are are the choosing that's where they're from typically and same for us being European so that makes it much more enticing and more um, exciting. Not only from a fan's point, also from the player's point of view. Like, and let's be honest, the players that are playing the Ryder Cup for America or for Europe are not only so honoured and privileged to be playing and to be picked, but to be representing their continent or their country. They're naturally going to have so much more passion, which will lead to either amazing golf shots and fist pumps, or it will lead to massive breakdowns and pressure and yips. That makes it so much more fun to watch. When you look at Liv with these made-up teams that nobody, re- I don't think, really cares about from a fan perspective, some do, obviously, but not many. Do the players really care they're playing for the crushers or for the smashers or for the whatever? Not really. They just want to get paid. So I think it loses that real meaning, that real, do you know what I mean? That, that's what it loses. That's what mm. Liv lacks. I tried to watch Liv this weekend for a few minutes. I lasted about 30 seconds. Boring. Yeah, but that's another I think, topic. I think the, just... the, the other, other, other thing is like when you actually look at Solheim Cup or Ryder Cup, you're right. A lot of the reasons why you, you support those more, but also they once every two years. Mm. It's not. Correct. It's not twelve times a year. It's once every two years. Like whoever wins this Ryder Cup will be a Ryder Cup legend for two years. Final one than him. This is what I thought yesterday night. Final one. We have the Solheim Cup and the Ryder Cup a week apart every two years. And that alternating year. There's a, the captains of the last Ryder Cup come together. So Luke Donald and uh, Pedersen. Is it Suzanne Pedersen? Yeah. yeah, come together. They pick six from the men, six from the women of the previous teams, and they ballot out against the US. I like that. So There you go. It's a free idea for you there. And that's Golf. like, but it's a one day. It's going to be called the Guy Cup. Oh, it's two days. <laughs> yeah, it's two days. They have singles on the Saturday or the Sunday. So Sunday, the Saturday they have foursomes. So it's just two two lots, but everyone plays the foursomes and everyone plays the singles. Oh, okay. So it'll be twenty no, it'll be twenty four points up for grabs. Would that be the same? Yeah, yeah. Twelve from each side still. Just it's six men, six yeah. women, six men, six women. That'll be class. And then in the off season, <laughs> you have a PGA Tour versus Live. Yeah. Wow. There we go. There's some ideas for you, everybody. Right. Like I say, enjoy the Ryder Cup, everybody. Um, we are just about to flick the switch and tune into this interview that we had with Dave Sampson. One more thing is, this is out Tuesday. Wednesday, we've got another video at Marco Simone coming out. 
So if you've not learned enough about the rough mm. and the bunkers mm. and where not to hit it, yes. Wednesday, we're going to do a better job to show you where we should hit it. Correct. Because we played a lot better on Wednesday. And we did a scramble, so that helped. That helped a lot. <laughs> uh, yeah, enjoy. I feel like there's more things to cover, but I don't think there is. I think that's it. Um, we did actually have a nice little uptick last week in people reviewing the podcast on Apple and giving us a nice five stars, and it, it meant a lot to me. It shed, shed a tear. Aww. While you shed a tear at the Solheim Cup, I looked at my phone on Apple, and just <laughs> a little tear just fell out and hit the screen. So please feel free to rate us on Apple, five stars, or four or five, ideally. There's a... Also, should we talk about the potential podcast golf day? Oh, quickly, yeah, that's a very good shout. So just a quick one on that. Anyone that's coming to the live podcast, that is still going ahead. We can't wait. That's Friday the 13th of October at Marriott Worsley Park. Tickets sold out. Tickets quick. sold out very quickly, which was brilliant. Uh, we've not really touched on it too much, so I didn't want anyone that's bought tickets to think, not heard about that much, but it's happening. It's going to be a great day. We can't wait. But also in conjunction with that, the Marriott Worsley Park themselves are running the Marriott uh, Worsley Park Invitational on the same day. So it's kind of not really massively aligned to us, but they thought they'd utilise the fact that hopefully there's people come in that maybe not played the golf course before. So if you've got the Friday off work and you want to play, um, it looks like a really good day. So what we have done in our Facebook group, we have shared the poster and there's also a link. We'll also put this in the description, the link in the description of the audio podcast and the video podcast. But essentially, there's prizes up for grabs. It's um, 11 o'clock shotgun start, up for 92 people. Um, prize presentation at 4pm onwards. There's handicap prizes for first, second and third. Nearest the pins on all the par threes. Longest drive in 18. Obviously, we're not playing because that would be mine. So it would really be a competition. Yeah. Uh, we won't be there for that and bit. I'd, I'd, be, I'd be obviously winning all the nearest pins. Yeah. We won't. We won't be there for the invitational but we'll be probably around the facility probably four or five o'clock so if yep. you're playing in that but you've not got a ticket you might bump into us there i was there. gonna say it's not exclusive for people who've got tickets exactly. it's a first come first serve 92 spots get involved if you are coming and you want to bring a mate get involved in the golf day and then we'll see you afterwards after a few bevies for the live show right without further ado sit back and honestly soak in this incredible chat um, and information from dave sampson the course designer of Marco Simone. Dave, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Describe the feeling when you first got that phone call or email to say you have been chosen and picked to design (laughs) the Ryder Cup course in Rome. Well, I didn't know that I was going to be given the job because... um, you know, at EGD, we have four designers, um, and EGD were part of um, the 20, 2014 bid with uh, the Italian Golf Federation. Um, so initially, you know, we were just reviewing three courses in and around the Rome area, um, and part of that bid, Marcus Moni was the preferred course as part of their bid. So then it was only 2015, you know, that Rome gets announced, um, and then sort of our MD came in sort of 2016, 2017 and sort of said, would you mind sort of seeing what you can do routing wise with Marcus Simone? <laughs> Obviously so excited. Wow. Um, but yeah, um, I mean, it's it's a huge honour and a privilege to, to have been given this, you know, challenge. Um, and I, I say, you know, challenge. Because I, think, I think it's quite a jigsaw, you know, because yeah. I don't know if a lot of people know this. Obviously we... First off, we had a great time in Rome a few weeks ago. Mm. Playing the golf course with you was was honestly one of my highlights of the of the year because it's great to be able to pick the brains of, of quite literally the person who plotted 
the holes. Yeah. So why the hell did you put that bunker there? Why do you think that was a good place to put the water hazards? Why have you made this hole yeah. so difficult? No, but it was, it was there great. There was a lot of it. it was, why is the roof so thick? Uh, I shouldn't have been hit. You, your, your answer could have been stop hitting it there. Um, but yeah, it was a real honour to be able to go around the golf course. But I found so much information from yourself in that couple of days we spent together in Rome. It sounds quite romantic. But <laughs> it was. In the, in the fact that Marco Simone was a golf course. Like yeah, there was already yeah. a golf course. That was a that was an already existing golf club. And you had to go in and turn twenty seven holes that was existing mm. there into an eighteen hole Ryder Cup golf course that was going to host this year's Ryder Cup, which yeah. is happening this very week. Um like that in itself is a is a very, very complicated challenge and, and like you say, yeah. a jigsaw. Yeah, I think that analogy of a jigsaw is is perfect. Um, because it's not, you know, you're trying to, you know, you, you, we knew it was a blank canvas. We knew it was a new site that, you know, going back to the bid, you know, the, the, the initial bid was to like maybe st- uh, stretch out a few greens, add a few tees just to lengthen the course, but to try and retrofit in mm. all those jigsaw pieces that you mentioned, you know, that, that was, that was too difficult. Um, so we knew it was a blank canvas, but, you know, Ryder Cup, it's, you know, you're obviously trying to find, like any new piece of, of land, you're trying to find the best golf holes. But for a Ryder Cup, you're also trying to find the best golf holes for spectators. And for, for match play format. Match play format as well. But I mean, you know, the infrastructure, the roads, hospitality units, you know, factoring in a 100 metre by 40, 40 metre deep, you know, hospitality unit into, you know, the, the golf site, um, you know, then factoring in, okay, where, where the bus is going to come, where the people going to come, where are you going to put merchandising, tent, media, practice, all those sort of things. Wow. So it's, it's, yeah, it's a jigsaw. I think that was, that was one thing. Obviously, like Rick said, we've been very lucky to play it recently. And obviously it was the Open Championship quite recently as well. We spent a lot of time. But being on site at Marco Simone, the infrastructure, it does feel bigger than like the open in a sense obviously the open's massive but it's quite kind of spread out on the certain areas where there may be quieter holes and whatever but it just feels like so much more vast and I, and I can't imagine what about to play there with those crowds full but that must go yeah. into consideration massively the spectators like you've said yeah the spectators um, <clears throat> and you know as part of this you know the site and what, what it gave us I mean obviously there's a huge amount of elevation change um, but there was a central core area where we, we try to root the holes you know, we got the first in there, which is really important. Mm. But then you've got to factor in, you know, that grandstand that's going to be going around the first. But to get the first in there and then the routing brings you back with the seventh, um, with hospitality around. And then obviously we're trying to bring, well, we bring the golfer back in for those keyholes right at the end of a Ryder Cup match, 16 and 17, where you, where you, you know, I mean, it is, you are sort of in a way trying to create a stadium. Yeah. You know, and you're trying to for for, for players, and and for the spectator, and trying mm. to trying to maximise that opportunity and that experience for for the players and for the spectators. I suppose to some degree, when you actually look at it the other way around, like an Open Championship, those golf courses are so old, mm. like they've they've almost had to the jigsaw for those guys is trying to get the right amount of hospitality and grandstand merchandise and often they have to sacrifice something like yeah. Royal Liverpool this year they have to sacrifice the whole driving range in yeah. the middle of the golf course and the layout actually even changes of that golf course to allow for it but the, yeah. the old course at St Andrews like that shouldn't be big enough to hold an open championship but two years last year it did with ridiculous amounts of spectators yeah. they almost yeah. have to go above and beyond to, to get that in where with 
Dave's challenge of a Ryder Cup. It's like, it is somewhat of a blank canvas, but you've got to now build a, a championship golf course that's exciting within this kind of stadium structure. And that word that you've just said there a couple of times, and Dave said stadium is true, because when we played again, very fortunate to play um, Hoylake Royal Liverpool with the grandstands up, Yes, you were hitting certain tee shots with a grandstand around you and that felt almost like a mini stadium. But there was something at Marco Simone where a lot of even places, even in the middle of a fairway, you felt you were part of something. The whole place feels like a stadium and that's without any spectators in there. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, you, you do have those three-tiered structures which definitely give you that imposing feeling when you're playing there. Um, but I think, yeah, I mean, going back to the routine, I think that's one of the things, you know, getting that golfer to experience that, you know, first tee, you obviously want to get them into that, you know, sort of amphitheater. Um, and then they, you know, they go off seven and they come back and they, you know, experience again. I think for a spectator, you're going to be, you know, you can just sit in and around one, seven, 16, 17, you, you will you see know, everything. You'll see everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and that really did form, you know, the, the core concept um, of the routing and, yeah, you know, we know you know you know um, British Opens and stuff. You're trying to retrofit in, you know those those stands and make sure that you fit everything in. But you know we sort of had that opportunity right at the beginning. And um, I mean we're very fortunate that uh, Ryder Cup Europe and bring you know they've got all that experience, and you're working with them to try and you know maximise you know what what that site has. Yeah. More personally from yourself, and you talked about EGD before from, for our listeners and viewers, European golf design. Um, when you first started to get into course design, okay, yeah. how many years ago was that? Okay. So, it's, so I've been at uh, European golf design for 19 years now. Wow. Um, but I have a, a very interesting way into golf architecture. Um, I was studying um, architecture at university, um, but my passion was always to get into into golf, um, and this was in South Africa where I was at university, and yeah, came over because my grandfather, who is Welsh, he was very ill at the time, came over, and my good friend from university who was in London knew that this is what I wanted to do, and there was a competition in Golf World magazine, scribbled some entries down on a piece of paper at Heathrow, posted them off, and no that, way, yeah, that was a foot in the door, yeah. and that was you designing holes or what? a golf course. So this is just, it was just one hole. It was courses in Finland, which is now, yeah, very good golf course. Um, so it was a par five. And, um, and did you yeah. win? Yeah. yeah. You won it? Yeah. Yeah. So that was, that was, that was the foot in the door. Um, and then a couple of years later. So what, uh, what made, what made that particular hole stand out? <laughs> to, to be honest, I think it was probably just the one closest one to what the architect wanted to look like. <laughs> um, oh, I was just a left to right. Dogleg par five, you know, reachable in two for the good players, but yeah, a couple of bunkers. You know, I think having done architecture, I could, I was pretty good at reading a map and you could see where the low is and see where the high points were and just sort of, you know, connect the dots and you know where you could see where the other green was. 14 green, it was the 15th hole. You could see where the, the green was and 16 tees, and it's literally, well, you know, if you understand a little bit about golf, you sort of know what. You know, what, what you you're looking do. for. Yeah. yeah. So, so that started your journey into golf architecture. Yeah. Yeah. And then how many in this 19 years of doing it and being with European golf design, how many golf courses have you been, have you solely designed and how many golf courses have you, have you been part of? Cause I bet that's a huge amount. It's a, yeah, tough to say number. Um, but at, at EGD, you know, if you've got a project, that's your project. We don't, we're not, you know, 
the architect has that job, nobody yep. else. Yeah, that you is, know, you're putting your name to that golf course. It's an EGD name, obviously, but but you know, we've got four architects in the company and if one, any one of our four get a get the job, that's that's your job. Um so yeah, I mean wow you know, there are many, there are many projects that have, you know, seen the drawing board, but not, not seen the excavator hit the ground. Yeah. And that's a huge list. I bet. But yeah, yeah, I mean, probably 30, 40 projects. Yeah. So uh, of actual finished golf oh, courses. Oh no, not finished. That, that's a problem. No. How many, how many finished? Probably 10 projects. Okay. Yeah, 10 projects. Yeah. So, yeah. so obviously we've had Robin Heisman on the podcast yeah. before who designed one of my favorite golf courses, JCB. He obviously is a, a colleague of yours at, yeah. at EGD. Um, and so when, let's say, the Ryder Cup golf course, Marco Simone, is, is being pitched around, are you all, the four of you, are you all, like, <laughs> chomping at the bit to get involved? Or, or is that the powers that be that's kind of said, no, Dave is going to be the best no. man for this job? <laughs> uh, well, you're going to have to ask Jeremy, I am, <laughs> that question. I mean, I'm sure secret, secretly we were all, and quietly, we were all, like, oh, it'd be amazing. Well, it is amazing. Um, I th- I think a lot of it was timing, you know, like I was probably just a little quieter the, than the others in the office. No way. <laughs> I, I mean, as I say, I don't, don't, you're there twiddling your thumbs going, give me a golf course, please, Jeremy. Yeah, I'm just doodling. Yeah. Have you got anyone, anything going? Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, you'd have to ask Jeremy the, the, the strategy behind who gets what job. How much, uh, how much extra stress have you felt or pressure designing a golf course that in this week the whole golf world is going to be watching like this yeah. and, and it's one event yeah this isn't you, you know no. you've had just the, the golf course has hosted italian opens which it needs to do to be able to understand whether it can actually hold a rider cup i get that but yeah. this this is the whole reason why this golf course was built is the whole reason of all those hours and all those sketches and every time an excavator hit the ground and it, they've been Fully, fully designed for this weekend. Yeah, that, how, <laughs> that, that is, that's a good point. That because normally you build a golf course many years ago, and it obviously gets um, some fame and some recognition, and slowly but surely it might then host an event. But to actually create a golf course for that bespoke event, yeah, it you, is, you, you create a golf course for three days. Yeah, which yeah, is mad. Much. I mean, yeah, talking about pressure, I, I think I'm pretty much like to see myself as a duck you know like all calm on, on the surface but yeah. the truth is yeah there's a lot of pressure and there's you know there will be a lot of nerves um that i, I see that as natural and and like i'm just gonna turn the phone off what, 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 <laughs> when you, three, that three might days. be a silly question when you say nerves obviously things like the condition of the golf course which i'm sure will be amazing that obviously comes down to the green staff and the superintendents etc what is it that you're kind of nervous about? Would it be people poo-pooing certain holes or the length of it? Or what is it that's the bad things? And then what is it the good things that you could hear as well? Well, I think, I mean, look, we're all involved in golf. Um, you know, I think every golfer is pretty much an armchair golf architect. Mm. So everyone's got an opinion. <laughs> so that's where I point it. Yeah. So, I mean, look, I, I think I think the experience, uh, you know, we've got, you know, some, some amazing holes on the back nine, mm. you know, Risk reward. I think there's going to be so much drama, um, and uh, yeah, I mean, look, the, the golf course for the Ryder Cup that that is the that is the the paper. That's the exam paper for those three days. And I think yeah, I think we we've had three Italian Opens now, and, and you look at the scores: minus twelve, minus thirteen, minus twelve. You know, it it provides. It's not an overly long golf course, but it provides 
a good challenge, um, and uh, and I think um, yeah, and as I say, with with the, with the um, with those risk reward holes on the back nine, you know, people are going to be dealing in the golfers are going to be dealing in birdies and eagles mm. on quite a few of those holes, especially on the back nine. So I think you know that's that's what you know we hope it's going to be remembered for, and obviously we hope it's going to come down to that final singles match on the Sunday. Um, but yeah. Which hole would you love it to finish on? Which, which, which? Do you, obviously, the 18th hole is the 18th hole. Yeah. It's a wonderful par five yeah. down the hill, slight dog leg to the left, water down the left, a few really, well, a lot of very well-placed bunkers. Mm. But I suppose to some degree, that's not your finishing hole, is it really? Like, I'm guessing I'm, it's before that. Yeah, I, th- I think, I think, I mean, 16 would be great. I yeah. think everybody will talk about 16. Um, but I mean, there is something, you know, it, it would be pretty amazing. I mean, I remember... Uh, 2010 Celtic Manor and and the throngs of people, you know, running watching that last match on 17T. I mean, that was that was yeah, something crazy. amazing. Yeah, I was there that day. Yeah, yeah. So was I it was it was it was great. So I would I would love it to 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 happen like that because that was that was pretty special. I suppose 16, well, and 17 to to a lot of degrees really sets itself up for that huge amphitheater finish where you could literally have a crowd 360 degrees around 16 and 17 16 being a short par 4 drivable with water down the right a couple of bunkers ryan reynolds here from Mint mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down so to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com down the left thick left rough which uh, I won't go into <laughs> you my round of golf <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and and that that for me when I when I actually think about the golf course that's the whole I think about 
Yeah. Well, what was we we our video? Will it be out yet of our match? Yeah, because we we did the match, which will be out just been yeah, just so been, we won't, and then the and then the uh, scramble that's coming out. This we won't week. ruin it then for those people that haven't watched it yet, those listening and watching. But obviously, we and Dave was there. We played the sixteenth in very two quite different ways. You went for it. I kind of laid up. But I think that's a true hole like that gives that option, doesn't it? And I think match play if that was if it was a close match coming down to sixteen, that can really make or break well, the match. I mean. I've got no doubt. Better ball, you know, at least one of them will be going for the green. Yeah. And, you know, foursomes depends on the match situation, really, and same with singles. Well, it, you know, that'll determine the strategy of that hole. Mm. You know, if, you, if you're two up, you'll be hitting a nine off the tee box. It, and and if, you, if, you, if you're two down, you're going to be, be pulling a driver. Yeah. yeah. Is that, what's your proudest hole on the golf course? Which hole are you most proud of? And it's interesting because uh, mm. even though we're filming this pre Ryder Cup, and I'm sure a lot of listeners and viewers won't really know the holes just yet. Like they, they might not have watched the Italian Open, yeah, etc. Yeah. They might not know the holes. Hopefully, they've watched our video and learned a lot more about the golf course. Um, but I think it, from what you say here is going to really help viewers and listeners yeah. enjoy the Ryder Cup this weekend. So any yeah. kind of insights, even talking about your favourite hole, yeah. you know, I, I mean. I, my, my favourite hole has always been 15, which is an extremely difficult par four. Um, I, I don't know, just always liked the way that that hole sets up off the tee. Um, it's, you know, it, it, you know, coming back to the routing and the whole rhythm of that back nine where you've got like three really birdieable eagles from 11, 12, 13. Then you've got 14, 15, which are really tough fours. Um, I've just always liked the way that it's set up off the tee and it, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a really difficult hole. Yeah, but, it's a slight, um, slight dog leg up the hill, yeah. raised green, yeah. any false front, anything short of that green is going to roll back down the front. Yeah. It's a hard, it's mm. a long iron hitting into the greens off the bat tees, even for the tour pros, they're yeah. going to hit six and five irons into that both green. Of us, or was that? Uh, it's the hole where you, on your second shot, you went left and you were kind of round near that tree. Yes. And yeah. you played quite yeah. a good pitch up, but yeah, I think it yeah. then rolled back down mm, the bank. Yeah. Um, and I, I hit driver, either three iron or four iron, I thought it was all over it and it was actually just short of the green, just in that false front. Yeah, yeah. Um, my, my really enjoyable stretch, and, I, and I'll, I'll be dead honest with you, I didn't know anything about the golf course mm. until we went a few weeks ago. I, I hadn't seen much of it on the Italian Open. I'd kind of seen little glimpses of its social media, but not loads. So I was really fascinated and excited to see the layout of the golf course. I, th- I thought that the opening hole, I think it's a fantastic opening mm-hmm. Ryder Cup hole. I really do. I think with that grandstand around, I went to, I was saying before I went to, um, to Paris for the radical yeah. in 2018. And I felt like the first hole was almost too hard Yeah, with the water down the left. And you really had to hit an unbelievable tee shot. And so quite a few golfers hit good tee shots and end up in the water. Yeah. And it kind of, you lose a hole straight away. Yeah, really. yeah, yeah. Well, I feel like the first hole at Marco Simone, you can't lose a golf ball. Really. You've got room right and left, but obviously it still rewards a great tee shot. And in the amphitheater around that first tee is phenomenal. Yeah. Front nine. I think the first time I played it, I wasn't as excited. Yeah. The second time I played it, I fell in love a little bit more with the front nine because mm-hmm. you kind of I saw a lot more of of what even just discussing it with yourself, yeah. what you tried to do with the front nine. I kind of saw a little bit more of that the second time is I it played five, it. Five one after the par three, or is that six? Five, five, that's a good five, hole. Five. That's yeah, a cracking hole. I mean, that, that's that's going to be interesting, number five, because you know at the time when we designed the course, we didn't know who the captain was going to be. So we, you know, you're working as a team with Ryder Cup Europe. We've obviously got all that experience from you know, multiple, uh, hosting multiple Ryder Cups. But, 
you know, so we were trying to factor in a little bit of flexibility in terms of the setup. Um, and five was the one where, you know, and, and the green has, had been designed accordingly, you know, like most people go, well, why is the green not on the lake edge? Well, we didn't know whether they were going to play from the back tee or they're going to play from tees further forward and give the players the option to go for the green. So if the, if the lake was on the green edge, nobody would be able to stop a three wood to a green that's sitting sort of perpendicular to the, to the line of play. So, um, yeah, so five, five was one of those where we had to sort of factor in a little bit of, well, you just don't know what, you know, what the you mentioned be. you don't think they're going to play that as a drivable par four, do you? No, I do. Oh, oh, you I do, do know. And can you share or not? <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> I, think, I, I think it looks like they're going to play it as a drivable four. Nice. Yeah. So, uh, for me, a Ryder Cup isn't about, because it doesn't, there's no end score. Like, yeah. It doesn't matter yeah. if, the, if, the, if, if someone, if it was a tournament week and that course was set up to shoot 25 under, yeah. I think that's a good Ryder Cup course, mm. personally. Mm. Because yeah. I think the, the divide between someone shooting 25 under and 25 over mm. is actually not that different yeah. setup because yeah. it's that risk and reward personally for me as a Ryder mm. Cup golf course and a match play course. My, my personal favourite hole in the golf course, I love, I love the stretch of 11, mm-hmm. 12, the par 5, and I love 13. Okay. Oh, well. Yeah. I think 13. The par 3. The little short par 3 with the old abandoned school in the background. Yeah. The two couple of trees either side. I think that is a a really and it's not long. It's only like 130 yards. Four ball. Yeah, that is honestly one of my favourite holes on the golf course. Well, that would be amazing. I mean, a hole in one. You know, there's such a hole in one pin on that um, yeah. on that green. Do I have a front leftish one or front left, front, front right? There's a little bank behind yeah. it. They can spin it back down, roll it back down. Um, you know, and it's those little things that we're trying to you know add add to. I mean, the greens are undulating. Um, mm. You know, you got if you if you think about you know like how these players are going to play that, and you know having undulating greens, okay, it fitted in with the site number one. But you know, like that experience of the spectator, like you know watching the balls rolling and maybe taking that slope or running off over the there. ooze and the ah exactly, and, and that there. you're trying to build that in. You're trying to you, that's what we were trying trying to do. How, um, it, is it very different mindset to any other golf course that you've been in, a part of? Yeah, it's been. T- totally different. I mean, okay. Number one, you, you, Marcus Money will be forever known as hosting a Ryder Cup. So you're you're trying to add a, quite a lot of risk reward holes, match play golf. Um, so yeah, it's 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 been different. And then you're obviously factoring in coming back to that jigsaw, um, just so many other things that you know. I mean, yeah. I mean, there were there were there were quite a quite a lot of challenges on on the on through the project. I mean, you know, we we had you know archaeology. You're in Rome, you got gas lines, you got electric. I mean, we had high power gas gas. I mean, electric lines crossing the site. Um, they all had to be rerouted round. Um, you know, this phasing of the construction work because you know ideally you want to build a golf course in one hit, just close it down. But as a members golf course, they always wanted 18 holes open for their members so we had to do nine holes at a time that made things longer and then we had COVID which was you know so there was just like a lot of challenges you know along the way yeah that's that's crazy to think all that into it it, it would you describe it because I, I I obviously we played it and at the time I would say it was a very very difficult golf course well <laughs> and I think I think a lot of that yeah. was to do due with the rough mm. yeah it was 
I think the rope. I don't think it was particularly stupidly long, and we played it quite far back as well, didn't mm. we? It didn't I feel the like the rope wasn't long, as I said. The rope no, was sorry, long. the long the golf course. We yeah. played it pretty mm. much off the bat tees. I didn't yeah. feel like it was seven. Yeah, it wasn't crazy crazy. No, I didn't feel like it was a. I was you were hitting a lot of five irons and four irons into greens, granted, but you get that on a lot uh, of championship golf courses. There were some holes I think that played easier off the back tees. What's the par five? Is it eight? We played yeah. that as a par four. Sorry, actually, it is, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, as a if you yeah. drive, it's that. It's actually easier than going off a forward tee. Yeah. You have to hit a long guy in, but but I felt like the the biggest protection, certainly when we played it, was how brutal the rough was. Yeah. Is I mean, that something that that's been planned? Is it something that's changed for this Ryder Cup week? So, I mean, the temperatures in Rome get really, really hot through the summer, and in the past, in the build up to the Italian Open, when we've had it in September. You know, some of that rough, if they cut it back, dies. And then, it, you know, it, you don't get that lush nature, that, that weep. So it goes brown. It goes brown, and, and if, especially if you cut it too short, you're not going to get that growth through the summer. So it was a conscious decision, and unfortunately we just ended up playing. You know, they were trying to keep the rough higher to make sure that it stays alive all the way to the it was condition. when we were playing a few yeah. weeks ago. So it, it was at a length that it's not going to be for the Ryder Cup. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, look... It, is it still the, the, at that length now? Do you know? In, not from in the, the photos that I've seen. Okay. I mean, I mean, there, you know, if you go so far offline, it will be, you know, still pretty high. But the thickness and the consistency is all being cut back, and it's all as it should be. And, you know, the the great thing that Lara and her team, Lara being the the head superintendent, um, you know, course was closed twenty eighth of August. You know, they've they've got people. This this thing's going to be primed and dialed mm. in you know so it's going to be it's going to be looking i dare say a lot a lot fairer than, than when we had, <laughs> i, I must admit there was, there was a few because it she, felt like sometimes it was almost you, you missed the rough and you are literally in a pitching wedge out yeah like it was that i mean i don't know tall players are strong and they'll probably be able to get a seven iron or a six iron on it or whatever but it felt and, and i'm glad kind of obviously but, it's being cut back etc and the reasons why you just said makes a lot of sense even a step further than that though, if you missed the fairway there was a, a, a spot for probably two yards width where you, you could hit it and then yeah. you might be losing your ball after yeah. that literally you could miss yeah. a fur by three or four yards it'd be lost ball yeah i mean i mean look for for the normal golfer you know, that that was incredibly tough. But I mean, in tournament conditions, you know, you're not going to be losing a ball. There's, there's going to be people spotting yeah. and finding those balls. Um, but the, the the maintained rough that's going to be maintained at, let's say, 90 to 100 mil, you know, that's that's still pretty, that's really difficult to play out. So so the, the premium, I mean, what we found, there was, you know, a premium on being accurate off the tee. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be what's, that's going to be the challenge that these players are going to, going to face. And is that, steered via the European team because obviously it's a it's a European home Ryder Cup like we it's our Ryder Cup so we get to design the golf course then you know I'm guessing you deal as you mentioned closer with Team Europe European Ryder Cup team you're not particularly the USA team aren't particularly ringing you up and, and you're not really spoke to them probably <laughs> one bit, have you? You've not spoke to them one bit. No. So when when the golf course is being set up, and we were talking about this before, it felt like historically that the the old saying was kind of the Europeans were a little bit more, not as long, but a lot more accurate, mm. where mm. the Europeans, uh, the Americans would hit it further, but be a bit more offline. Is that still the case? Because I feel like now, when you look at the the, the European team, when we've got Rory McIlroy, one of the longest drivers in the world. John Rahm, again, longest drivers in the yeah. world. Um, 
uh, Ludwig Aberg. Yeah, Aberg. Victor. 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 I don't, I don't, I feel like that stereotype changed now where maybe when Luke Donald was in the team rather than being the captain and Poulter and Westwood and I would say that was a little bit more true. But I feel like the European team now, even like Matt Fitzpatrick, he's not a short hitter. Like he's a long, long hitter. I I don't see there being a huge difference in distance off the team between Team Europe and Team USA these days. No, I mean, the the percentages are, are so small, so small. Um, but going back to your question about the setup, I think, you know, Europe had success in Paris. And, you know, Mark, uh, Marcus Amani is going to be set up pretty similar. Mm. Yeah. So, um, you know, whether, whether that is something that will, you know, continue, you know, who knows. But yeah, I, I, it's, it would be fair to say that they're, they're, that people will draw similarities between Paris and and Marcus Simoni. It feels, I mean, obviously, European had great success in Paris, so hopefully for us, for Europeans, it's the same again. For um, it was interesting. We've seen images not so long ago of Team Europe actually going and spending quite a bit of time there because there'd be a lot of the, Euro- the American players that have never ever seen the golf course or played the golf course before. Mm. First question was, obviously that's the tactic that you at Team USA are adapting and, and understand that they need to know the golf course. Did you get any feedback from the American team or did you get nothing? <laughs> no, nothing. nothing. Nada. <laughs> well, it goes back, you know, that, that is the exam paper that's going to be set. So, you know, like, you know, that's the course. And, you know, and they, they will be, of, well, I'm trying to put myself in the mind of a professional golfer, but they'll just be like, well, okay, well, that's the golf course. Let's, you know, mm. wh- where are we strong? You know, I mean, look, but, but these these professional golfers, they're all, you know, the, the, the comparison between Europe and America, the percentages of, you know, who hits the ball further, who's who's more accurate, you know, they are so minute. The, yeah. the, I mean, it's something maybe I'm not educated enough, but like when you look at actually the, the European team and you look at where they play the golf, you've got Ludwig, Fitzpatrick, uh, Tommy, Tyrrell Hatton, uh, Victor, Shane Lowry, Rory, Rahm, Justin Rose, Sepp Stracker. They all play on the PGA Tour anyway. Yeah. So I actually don't really understand anymore where this defining thing comes from too much of like, oh, the Europeans want this or need this versus the Americans want or need this because the planes, the similar, the same events week in, week out anyway. We've only really got a handful of guys who are actually kind of true European Tour players. I mean, I think that the... I think where where Europe will be at an at an advantage is that every one of them, except for I think John, uh, or maybe Sepp, a couple of, a couple of them have, but the majority of them have played Italian Opens. Mm-hmm. They've seen the golf course and they've played it in tournament conditions. And I mean, you know, you would have found like wherever you go, you know, like the first game you played at Marcus Money, the second time you would, oh, I know this, I know it's, yeah. a, bit, it's a bit better. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. like everyone. The more the more you know things, the, the better you're gonna perform yeah definitely um so i i think i think that's going to be an ad, an advantage um so you know and, and and you know you know where not to miss or you know what the safe side is but i mean these players are so good that it doesn't take them long to work out where the, where the good miss and the bad miss is no exactly but um I think having played it under tournament conditions, you know, it's going to help, you know, especially especially people like, I mean, like you've got Nikolai Hoygaard, past champion, uh, Bob McIntyre, you know, they've played all three of them. Um, that, I, think that's an, I think that's an advantage. With that being said, and obviously I don't know how much you want to say on this or not, and it's a couple of weeks late when this goes out, but were you then surprised that Moronk didn't um, get picked being a winner the last year? Well, yeah, I mean, he was the winner, winner in May. Um, Sorry, this year, yeah, yeah, so... I, I, I think so, so unlucky, but there is always somebody that's, that 
that's really unlucky. And he, he the definitely, third, there's always a 13th he was one, definitely that, that guy. Um, yeah, I think it was, it was a little bit of a surprise, but yeah, you know, was, yeah. Yeah. When it comes to either course setup or design or whatever, and obviously then, as you mentioned, you were, you were almost designing the golf course, not knowing who the captain was. There was then a change of captaincy during <laughs> during uh, the time with obviously Stenson then switching over to, to um, Luke Donald. Have you been in much talks with Luke Donald and that sort uh, that team? Have, has there been much communication kind of a, around with the actual main people from the European team? I mean, there has been some. I mean, we've had a couple of courseworks. We had we had one with Henrik to start with, and then a couple with Luke once he was made captain. Um, so you know, and 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 to be honest, you know, like the 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 changes from you know the original design and then the input from. I mean, Henrik's input was you know he wasn't there that long, so so we hadn't you know you know taken on board you know what his preferences were, but um, you know the changes have been so minor. Uh, you know, like a, a couple of, you know, fairway lines and a couple Tweaks. of bunkers. Yeah, I mean, it's hardly, hardly anything which is... And are they doing that solely on preference or are they taking advice from uh, uh, analytics? So yeah. that, you know, I know no. I know Eduardo Molinari is a huge influence in the statistics, etc. Is is Luke Donald being influenced by that as well or is he actually just seeing what he prefers? Well, I think a bit of both. Um, you know, and that's what, you know, you've got Eduardo because obviously, you know, he has that, um, stats, uh, business. Um, he's Italian, so, you know, that's mm. a massive positive. Um, obviously played in Ryder Cups, um, you know, in himself a, a great golfer. So, but I mean, Luke's going to have, you know, his views on things as well. So, um, but, but, uh, it would be fair to say that the the stats side has played has played a part. Yeah, as a golf fan, then, which obviously you are, and somebody that knows the course literally better than anyone on the planet. <laughs> this week, anybody, oh, no, 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 some parts yeah. of the course. Yeah. 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 course. I can't talk. Uh, where genuinely, where does your kind of heart lie this week? Then, who who do you think is gonna is gonna win the Ryder Cup? Well, as a fan, I always want Europe to win. So. That would be great. It would be great if they won like four, it, 14 and a half, 13 and a half on the 16th. <laughs> and everyone's, everyone's celebrating how good the golf course is. <laughs> and that's, that's your one, but is that truly what you actually believe will lead into this week? You, you do feel like they... I, I, I think they've got a great chance. Yeah. I, I do. But, but I, I do believe that, you know, I mean, this is going to sound so simplistic, but, you know, whichever team plays best, mm. because because the, the margins are so small, I think. Yeah. I think the team that plays best, I think you're going you're gonna to have to drive it incredibly well. You know, you, you you can't be playing from the rough. So you know, drive drive it well. Um, you know, you 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 can look at the past winners of the Italian Open; they've all chipped really well, got oh, up really? and down really well. So that's that's going to be play a part, I think. Um, yeah, I, I, look, they're all so good. The, the team that plays the best is going to win. But I, but go back to your question: one hundred percent want Europe to win. Yeah, and then come Monday. Right after the Ryder Cup, yep. you'll be relieved. Nursing a hangover. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If the USA team will, he'll be in the USA team room as well. Will you kind of, relief? Does yeah. it, will it feel like, you know, a big, a big weight's been lifted off your shoulders? Obviously, successful Ryder Cup, you know, people have loved the golf course. It's, it's give you that finish that you want. I bet that's going to be a lovely feeling on Monday, just going, oh, 
you, you paint a very pretty picture. <laughs> yeah, that, but that's the hope. That's the hope. I'm also manifesting it for you as well. Like, I want that to happen for yourself, you know. Yeah. Um, I mean, I feel like the, the Monday after, for a lot of people, it's that kind of relief that we've, you know, a successful Ryder Cup has taken place this year because it felt for a long time this year that the Ryder Cup wasn't going to be as big as it normally is. You know, I suppose, I suppose for you guys as well, keeping your finger on the pulse with what's happened with Liv and I bet it was like, oh my, this is this is the first Ryder Cup since kind of the inception of Liv and mm, not mm, having as many mm. key players as, as or stale, you know, real Ryder Cup legends and heroes who have been part of the Ryder Cup for so many yeah. years. You know, this is a huge, I think it's a huge... Mm tournament for the Ryder Cup this year like if it still is as successful as ever brilliant you know and mm. we're all hoping it will be and it, it feels like it's starting to get to that point I, I think for me obviously again this podcast is coming out a couple of weeks later than we're recording it so I'm sure by now that, that the real uh, buzz is, is, is there but I think as well for me it does feel a bit like uh, changing the guard so to speak obviously there's, there's no Poulter this year there's no Westwood I think regardless of Liv I think they and Stenson I think they were kind of at the end of the, the career Ryder Cup wise you look at some of the guys we have got and again we'll put a bit more pressure on the shoulders of uh, Ludwig Aberg but it feels like it's the start of something new this time we've got a strong team you look at the guys there's a lot of youth in there as well and some experience which is nice balance it feels like it's the start of something new and I feel like once the Open gets out the way and people start to think about the Ryder Cup more it's it's an exciting one this year yeah I think it's yeah well the excitement building for us definitely Um, going back to that point on the Monday yeah, you, you you hope it's going to be great. Um, you know, we're confident that it's going to provide a good a good match. Um, but yeah, uh, I suppose you know you've been I've been involved here. <clears throat> sorry for about you know five six years on this project. So you know, I suppose there will be a little bit of you know relief and a bit of weight off. Um, but it's it's as I said at the start, it's such an honour to be you know given this opportunity you know it's like a it's one of those once in a career moments so you know that's uh yeah and it's just around the corner it's mad isn't it? i i've always personally and i think there may, there may be some listeners and, and viewers also of similar ilk potentially i've always felt like i'm quite interested in um course architecture and design like i actually see a future down the line, you know, whether it's setting up a little nine-hole golf course, but actually getting into being able to design my own golf course. Like, what would I What would I almost need to do? Like, I'm guessing just scribbling it down on a, on a back of a back piece of paper, paper. <laughs> like you did like you did when you entered the golf world competition. Buy a piece of land. <laughs> well, yeah, obviously. Um, but, like, I, I am fascinated in, in course design, and, and I think I would take a lot of inspiration from nice places that I've played and certain elements to it. And I would, I would, you know, I feel like there's lots of, I've been very lucky to play some incredible golf courses. Like I'd almost, it'd almost be a hybrid of the things that I kind of like to see on a golf course, really trying to fit it into, into a piece of land. What, what is the actual best way of going around actually designing the golf course? Let's say you have got a piece of land. Do you actually just start sketching where the holes could potentially be and then start looking at the top topology of where the land is going to be higher and lower, etc.? Well, you're doing that all together. I mean, you're obviously, let's take, for instance, uh, a blank canvas site, a uh, bit of topography. You're trying to find out, you know, okay, well, where's the clubhouse going to be? Because that's normally a good starting point. Um and then you're trying to see, you know, which holes, 
you know, would fit best, best in that land. You know, where there'll be particular green sites and tea sites that are good. Um, and, and you're just you're starting off by analysing what those positives that the site give you will be. So a routing plan is the start and making, you know, and I think if you get that routing plan, you know, nailed at the very beginning, you're, you're a long way to getting a good golf course. And and do you kind of have a particular style to your golf courses? Or, or would you, because you know, there's a lot of course designers, like for example, a McKenzie course design, like there's there's traits that you know it's a McKenzie mm, green mm. or, you know, Alistair yeah. McKenzie designed it. Have you got any kind of traits that you live by? Uh, not not particular. I, I, I like to believe that you know no site is the same. So you know, let the land tell you what it's you know what's going to fit this piece of land best. Um, there are certain things that you 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 will tend to have on most golf courses. So as an example, um, let's say you have got four par threes. I always tend to like to have one long par three, one short, and two medium length ones and I think you know if you know you're going to have a tournament I think one of the things that you find a lot on tournament courses these days is just like really long par threes mm. I think trying to yeah trying like to stay yeah. really long par threes yeah, just staying away from that sort of thing um, but then you're also trying to like you know think about the, the shots of the player that you want to ask them to hit I think Marcus is quite a good example there you know like that course you know you've got left to right you've got uphill downhill um, so there, there is a wide variety of shots on that golf course that we are expecting the player to hit, and I think that in an eighteen-hole, you know, new golf course, you're trying to make sure you ask those those questions and pose those challenges yeah. throughout. Um, but yeah, I think I think number one is you know see what the land is and you know listen to the land and see what routing what best greens tees and style will suit a particular piece of land yeah. are you do you have a particular favorite golf ar- architect that you've followed the kind of journey of um i think i think there's a lot of really good modern stuff coming out um so i mean you've got your your tom dokes and your cores and your crenshaws and stuff um gill hands you know they're all doing some some really really cool stuff um do you so, want to be do you want to be Mention the same name as those guys. <laughs> no, let's be easy one step at a time. Ah, <laughs> um, oh, look. Um, oh, who kn- who knows where I'll be at the end of my career? But I mean, what, that'd, be inc- that'd, be inc- that'd be incredible. Just, what do you feel like you need to do to get into the same kind of breath as as the guys you just mentioned? There, not saying you're not already, but what do you oh. feel like? What do you feel like you have to do to to get into that kind of category? Uh, that's a really, really difficult question. I mean, I think, you know, number one, these guys are extremely talented. Um, but they, you know, they do get some amazing pieces of land to work on. And, and uh, you know, sometimes, you know, not every project is this amazing sandy waste area, you know. That, with you amazing know, views. With amazing views. It's just, you know, unfortunately, you know, it's not. I, I think, um, but but one of the, th- some of the things that, you know, that they do, offer they they do give you a lot of options a lot of width of of the tees you know and i think i think that's very important um you know just so that it you know you you, you've got to yeah just give give the golfer options just give them you know make it a bit easier make it a bit more fun just following on from that a little bit and this this might be a bit of a silly question but it's one that i want to ask anyway like when i go to a new golf course i often focus primarily and maybe naively and stupidly on how i play 
I then often would focus on the condition of the golf course, how well the greens roll and things like that. Maybe even the clubhouse and, and it sounds like the food they serve, etc. One thing I don't feel I'm qualified enough on and don't maybe think about enough is the course architecture. Mm. So what is there any kind of simple things that kind of normal golfers, if you like, can, can look out for to really appreciate a good golf course? Because sometimes, again, if there's obvious views by the sea, it yeah, always wins yeah. me over. Yeah. But sometimes I struggle to put my finger on if I like a golf course, it often comes down to how well I've played. Yeah, no, it does. It does. For for 95% of people, that's that's what it comes down to. Um, views help. Mm. I love a lot. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's tough, tough question. Um, I, I personally, I, would, I don't rank golf courses that I like on the way I've played them. Yeah, you know, well, really? that's a good point. People, like, pe- people are different. I think I, I rank them on view, yeah, massively, views and condition. But that's saying the same, though. But take away, so you've got condition and views. But I can play terrible and still yeah, appreciate that, how good that golf as course could was. I. So, say for example, North Berwick, mm, mm. it's always going to be good condition. Yeah. It's got amazing views. I could not play well and still enjoy it. But after that, if I went to a more normal golf course that's not blessed being on the coast, yeah. and it's, yeah. what else am I looking Is it bunker? Because, for example, you're going to hate to hear this. I'm not a massive fan of um, Royal Lytham, which I know is one of the best golf courses around. People say, oh, the bunker placements, but I don't see it. I just know yeah. where my golf ball's gone. And if it's not in a bunker, great, hit it and move on. How well, do I? That's an interesting point because I, I had the, the same, I've only played Lytham once. Uh, I had the same experience. I, you know, it, it, I, the setting the setting does play a part. Mm. And, and I think, you know, but people in our office absolutely love Lytham. Uh, they, they've played it more times than I have and they, they appreciate the strategic challenge you know, especially for good golfers, mm. like there are there are a certain set of bunkers on a particular hole which will come into play one day. Different day, it'll be different bunkers. Yeah. So you know, so they, you know, like we, when we go there, we we are you know we, we are appreciating things like that. You know, like the challengers asking, you know, does this look the same as that? Okay, well, we want to make sure that you know it's a different challenge, it's a different view. You know, you, you're looking you're looking to to you know pose as I say, different questions all the way through the round. Um, and I think, you know, you're also, I mean, you know, Marcus Simone is not blessed with being next to the sea, but it does have some incredible views. Mm. It does. You can actually see, you can actually see the yeah. centre of Rome still yeah. on that 11th, uh, 12th tee, can't you? Yeah. You see St. Peter's yeah. um, on, on numerous uh, tee shots. And, you know, you, you know, we're trying to, you know, get the, get that ingrained into your experience you know, experience of the golf course, but we are consciously rooting the golf course so that those views come at key points in the round. Mm. So on the back nine, you know, where the, and for a Ryder cup, that's where the cameras are going to be. That's where the drama is, you know, and then having that as the backdrop, you know, you're trying to factor in, you know, those views, but, but, but I mean, like I could, you know, we're project in, in Saudi Royal greens, you know, that was a, a flat pancake golf course. Um, so you, you, you're then trying to, Add, you know, interest and challenge into into that. It's like we were recently at Crail, and there's some holes at Crail that aren't fantastic; they're quite bland. Yeah. But the fact you're on the side of the, the coast just and the view is so good, it becomes one of my favourite places to go to. Yeah, yeah it's and not. Then, it's not. I mean, that was designed. That's the like actual seventh oldest golf course in yeah. the world. Like, it's not 
not had loads of architecture design on it. Like old Tom Morris kind of laid it out and it's like, that's it. Yeah. But like, I love that golf course because of its position. But if, if that sea suddenly got turned into a farmer's field, oh. it's going to be the most yeah. boring course on the planet. Yeah. So yeah. There's yeah. enough elevation to make it interesting, but you're yeah. right. It's not, it's not. But blessed. I think that comes back to like also setup and, 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 and the condition that you play the course in, mm. you know, um, like at Marcus Money, the rough was just so tight. Like you go off, go offline, and and after a while, when we played, it was just like, you know, in the rough again, and I'm probably gonna, <laughs> probably can't find my ball. So, but but going back to you know, Crail, you know, you can you hit can the ball anywhere. anywhere, and you'll as find you the ball as long as you don't go so, right. You're so fine. It's those experiences that you you know, like, and and to be honest, like once the Ryder Cup's gone at Marcus Money, that rough's going to be cut down mm. and the golfers are going to be able to find their ball. Yeah. You know, yeah. and it's going to be a whole different experience. There'll be, fine, there'll, there'll be a lot of golf balls well, being well, that, found that, as well. That's, that's actually a good point that brings me on to, I suppose, these resort, uh, not resort, courses such, but Ryder Cup hosts, i.e. a Celtic Manor or a Belfry or obviously Marco Simone going forward, they make the revenue, I guess, twofold. Firstly, from hosting the Ryder Cup, that brings a lot of revenue in. And secondly, going forward, the green fees that people want to go and play a Ryder Cup mm. golf course. So does that then, the setup must have to change for the more average golfer who's going oh, yeah. to play it. So I guess they're going to move more forward tees, obviously rough will go down. Yeah. Does that ever come into your mind during the build? Definitely, yeah. I mean, so, and fairway widths. I mm. mean, you know, they're like 40, 40 yards wide for for the average golfer. So it's, it is factored in, but for for the pros, they narrow down 18 to 25 mm-hmm. yards. But, but you know, that that's that comes back to... You know, you're wanting to challenge these guys, you, you know, and yeah, you want to, you know, but, but with amateur golfers, you know, there are forward tees, you know, the course is 7,200 yards off the back, but it's only 5,000 yards off the front. So, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a big distance there. So, you know, right at the very beginning, you are factoring in and you, you know, we know that 99% of the time it's going to be played by amateur golfers, but you know, when you when we're playing it, a month or yeah, every, of course. Yeah, 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 before yeah. that, you know, they're trying to get this course primed mm. for the third biggest sporting event in the world. So it is. Yeah, I'm going to go World Cup final. It must be the biggest, and then second like the Super Bowl. Is it? Because Olympics, live Olympics oh, courses. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. So it's 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 a it's a big event. So the rough is going to be cut down. It's going to be much more, yeah, yeah. it's going to be much more playable. I dare say the green speeds might not be as fast, but you know, but, but people also go there because they want to be challenged mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. yeah. So, so you, you're sort of trying to strike that balance between, you know, make, making people go around and, and going back to crowd. Like I, I, I want to play a golf course and, in the same ball. Yeah. You know, the last thing you want to be doing is digging in your bag for six, seven golf balls. No, I agree. I think just going back to the golf course and and that Monday when you sit there, hopefully with a cigar and it's all going well, (laughs) um, I don't think I'll be, I'm I'm not going to be going to try to cup. Rick is possibly going now, which is exciting. So I'm sure by the time this podcast comes out, you know, and you'll probably be on the way there. But I think people who I can guarantee will have a good time is actually spectators are actually at the golf course because again that first team we hit off and that amphitheatre around us not only is that great for the spectators there's so many vantage points and it's such a a well laid out place I, I imagine anyone that's fortunate yeah. enough to have a ticket to go and watch mm. it's not only going to enjoy the golf but will enjoy the viewing experience and it this is no criticism of the Open because it's a different kettle of fish but it's so different to watching golf at the Open I can yeah. imagine anyway yeah, I think it's been bespoke design for that in mind, hasn't it, I suppose. But, but the site gave us that. 
Mm. You know, so, you know, we knew there was a lot of potential, you know, for, for the golf holes and, and the spectators. Um, and I think if you compare it to, I mean, Paris was fantastic for the spectators. But, you know, it had him banking on. Yeah, there was loads of greens with big banks yeah. around. Natural grandstands. Yeah. Well, but, not, not natural. Made, <laughs> made but grass ba- grandstands. Yeah. But, I mean, that was that was created as, as possibly a, you know, a, a tournament course back in the day. Um, but the difference between Marcus Simone and, and Golf Nationals at, at, um, in Paris, they, you know, you only saw that one golf hole. So you're pretty much waiting for, you know, four matches to come through or even mm. the singles more. But at Marcus Mary, you can find some vantage points where you can see so much more yeah. because it's, you know, it's this 50 metres of elevation change, whereas the Gulf National, there's like five metres on every hole. So well, I think the grandstand on the side of 13th tee is an unbelievable spot. Yeah, it's going to be. Because you can see the par three, you can see the shots into 12, you can see the shots on the tee shot on 16, yeah. you can see the seventh, the par three across the water, you can see the first. Yeah. Yeah, second like, second tee shot. You as can well. see fourteenth yeah. tee shot. Yeah, yeah. Like, that grandstand on the side of thirteen, I think, is unbelievable. I think you can see a hell of a lot from there. And I think even the grandstand on the right of seven, the par three, mm. you know, I'm sure that'd be um, the one I shanked it into. The one you shanked it into. <laughs> I think it's just a, a, a tradition. Yes, it is. You, you're very good at keeping tradition. If I'm playing a golf course, the grandstand up, I will shank one at least. And uh, that I think that vantage, that point as well, even though you're a bit lower, and even on the left side of 16 is an unbelievable spot. Yeah. I think so, yeah. left side of 16 is probably one of the better spots as well. Um, but you've got a so you've got a fact that in mind. I think I think, I think that, that one on 12 and 13, I mean, every match is going to get there. I love that one on yeah, 13. Yeah. I yeah, could sit so there all day because you've got the hole in one chance, you've got the par five, you've got the, I just think that's a great spot to be in. One question I would have, and this obviously isn't your role, but something I don't know if you've ever considered, I suppose some, something like the Belfry or a Celtic Manor, post Ryder Cup does get so much footfall because of the fact of the location, certainly the Belfry, I think. Mm. How, when we went to, obviously, Marco Simone and played it, we had a great time, but it does feel very much like it's a random place for a golf course at the side of Rome, really. How, how do you foresee in the future more golfers going and playing there? Do you think it's part of a European trip for Americans where they might do Rome and then go over to Ireland and Scotland? Or, or do you even see the golf in Italy? You know, yeah. because you, you, you hope so. I yeah. mean, look... The, the, the Italian Golf Federation have the golden ticket, you know, and it's it's up to them to maximise, you know, this opportunity because, you know, this is the biggest opportunity they will ever get to, you know, improve, um, you know, and increase the, the numbers of of players in Italy. So, um, you know, whether whether people will, will travel, I mean, I can see people travelling from, from the US to go and play, mm. you know, a Ryder Cup course and, you know, taking their family because... Rome is one of the greatest cities in the world, so so there is that attraction. Well, the tourists, um, like we we spent, we went into Rome. I couldn't believe how busy Rome was. Oh, it was insane. Yeah. It was yeah. so it's, busy, and so many Americans and, and tourists there that it doesn't surprise me if they shut the clubs in or hire a set of clubs and nip over to Marco Simone because like I say it's 30-40 minutes away from the centre yeah. of town and, and I think as well a credit to you and the whole point of what the golf course is set up for clearly but like we had a kind of a somewhat friendly match myself and Rick obviously but if you were going with a group of guys it, it literally obviously is such a good match play golf course mm. it really yeah. is it's perfect for match play if um, just a couple of last questions more intrigued on your kind of golf architecture background what what is actually your favourite golf course, like from an architectural standpoint? The old course, St Andrews. Yeah, absolutely love it. Really, yeah, really love it. 
That's it. really surprised me. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, yeah. I've, I've, I mean, I've played it numerous times. <laughs> played it quite well there as well. <laughs> <laughs> of um, but I just love the way you just can just plot your way around. You know, and yeah, I think I like uh, you know w- working things out. You know, wow. I, I love doing and just you know, working out how to play that one. And oh my god! And it's just, uh, and I mean, it's like, but it's like every golf course, you know, and every shot, you're weighing up that risk versus reward. You know, and I think St. Andrews, you know, like, I'll just keep playing left. Because, <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, but, but I know the, the reward is going, going right. But I'm happy to take my chances going left and keep your ball in just play. keep my ball in play and just steady away. And, yeah, it seems I, to have worked. I, I, I so, love the old course. I love St. Andrews. It's, it is literally, we were there just a couple of weeks ago and, and it, we, we took some American friends with, with us and it was, I was actually quite proud to show them around <laughs> like St. Andrew, like. Some people don't get it though sometimes, you know, because it is quite, initially you're like, it's quite a, you know, flat, yeah, <laughs> flat vis- but it, visually. It, it, but for me, it'll it's always so rank high, maybe not from a golf architectural standpoint, from experience, because the emotion is just mm. so good. I've played, I've been lucky enough to play it five or six times now. Stand that first tee. Like and nothing it, else. And there's nothing I don't feel nerves like it anywhere else mm. in the world. Like it is just, but it's like, it's not, it's not nerves from a bad shot. It's more like pressure that you stood somewhere where everyone stood. Like yeah. this yeah. is, this is yeah. the Holy grail. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. If tomorrow you went back to European golf design. Okay. Meeting guys, new project, Dave, it's your next project straight after Marco Simone, which you might already be on. <laughs> Where would that site be? What's your dream site? And you don't have to measure it by <laughs> Sandy site on, on the CH would be amazing. <laughs> That's that is that is it. That's that bit of land next That's, to Muirfield. Yeah. Oh, your there we go. That one. Have yeah, you seen that? that? One. Oh, it's incredible. The land yeah. that Muirfield owns, yeah. but they've not done anything with it yet. It's incredible. Yeah, there we go. That would be a dream site. That right that, that would make one of the best. So, one the more world. question before we wrap this up. Maybe give our listeners, we've got a lot of people listening, obviously clearly you're hardcore golfers. Let's take the old course out of it. Maybe give them a golf course you should go and play that's a, you know, a top one they will have heard of. But there may be a bit more of a hidden gem that you think kind of deserves a bit of love. So let's just say you might go with, you've got to go and play Carnoustie, for example, I think you've got Carnoustie top on. But, um, <laughs> yeah, or is there, I, I didn't, didn't enjoy Carnoustie. What, what's, very well. what's a big course people will know of that you think should go and play, but then maybe a bit more of a hidden gem that's maybe a bit more realistic for price point, etc. Well, I think um, Cruden Bay. Yeah. Cruden Bay, uh, I think that's fantastic. Um, uh, <laughs> this one also happens to be on a coastal site, but I, I went to university in a place called Port Elizabeth. It was really windy, so... You know, I, I enjoy playing in the wind. It just happened, well, Cruden Bay, we played in, in a gale. And then this other course also played in the gale. And it was on the, you know, it was on the west coast of England. But I thought Paranporth, if you've ever been down to Cornwall, no. just, yeah. What's that one called? Paranporth. Paranporth. Yeah. Look. Not heard of it. Lovely, amazing course. I, I did Cruden if you, Bay. If you, if you like rugged, rugged, mm. rugged golf experience, blind holes, up, down, all over the place. It's fantastic. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Was, I did, wow. I did yeah. Cruden Bay with Sir Nick Faldo, and it was so outrageously windy. We played like five holes, and it was it was near enough unplayable. We're the only ones out there. But the site, 
was I'd love to play it on a lovely car yeah. and chill and, and that's another thing that massively changes your perception when we went there <sighs> it was such bad weather all we were thinking about really was let's get in and hope the audio was okay on this video if that was a nice summer's evening I think we'd have walked away going that's the best course on the planet yeah it's, yeah, it's lovely the good thing about five is it sort of sort of comes close to the clubhouse again. Well, no, I think we actually started on the so par three, the par three near the village, okay. like the fourth or something. Yeah, fourth. We yeah, started yeah. on that okay. hole. We we did a bit of cross country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We played a bit of everything. We actually designed, you can do that. Yeah, we yeah, actually yeah. designed a hole well, while we're out go. there. Our last hole, uh, Faldo was. Stood, we were up on this big tee box. I can't remember what what hole it was now, and we we played backwards down this hill. We made this par three, which was unbelievable. But the elevation change was ridiculous. You've already started your foray into golf course yeah, architecture. I, I mean, I, I honestly, honestly, as I've played more golf courses, I do. I appreciate views a lot and I, and I, I think I measure golf courses a bit too much on views, but I definitely appreciate nice designed, well thought out risk reward. Um, not too punishing. Yeah. I don't think I'd make yeah. my golf course too punishing or too difficult. I think you can make it harder without making it longer yep. as well. Yep. I, I think obviously tour golf is very much about, 7,500 yard golf courses now. I don't think you need to make a golf course longer to make it harder. Um, you know, you can, you can be clever in the way that you make fairways narrower, yeah. put pins behind yeah. certain spots. I think they did a good job at that with the old course last year because mm, mm. that could have been ripped. If they, yeah. if, if yeah. that was just on a normal July, not having an open, it would have been 30 under, mm, 40 mm. under. But the yeah. fact they managed to keep the score, was it 20 under, I think Cam Smith ended up winning or 19 yeah, under. Yeah. Like that was, I think it was fairly acceptable considering yeah. they've not lent in the golf course that much past 17. But yeah, I would I would love to get into it. I think in the future there'll be a, a Rick Shields golf designed course. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think then I'll probably go ride a cup. I'll probably yeah, design yeah, a ride yeah, a cup yeah, course. Cool. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah. forget yeah. that. Yeah. Can't, be that. Step, can't be that hard, can yeah. it? <laughs> Maybe they might move the Masters. They're going, you know what? I've had enough of Augusta. Yeah, do you think? It's day, Augusta. Let's go to the Rick Shields course. Or maybe they'll let me redesign Augusta. Correct. They might just say, listen, we're going to we're gonna take the whole place up. Here's the keys. I think a big windmill down 18. <laughs> Every hole would be a par five dog leg left. T-Rexes and stuff. Let's do it. Um, excellent, Dave. You've been amazing. Um, good luck this week. Thank you very much. I feel Thank nervous you. for you. Um, but you've done, a, you've done an amazing job. I think it's a golf course that definitely, when, I, when we played it, it grew on me. Um, I liked mm. it the first time. I loved it the second time. I think the guys for the Ryder Cup are going to really, really enjoy it. I think from from a match play perspective and a Ryder Cup golf course, it's going to be amazing. For spectators, it's going to be even better. And uh, hopefully Monday you'll be, I'll, I'll see you. <laughs> we'll both be hungover, smoking a big fat cigar, <laughs> celebrating your uh, triumph. And a Europe win. Yes. And a Europe win. Yeah. Got one more question for you, Rick, before we wrap this up. So, Right, tomorrow's a fictional day. It's a sunny day, okay? Okay. There's a private jet outside for you ready, or a helicopter, whatever you please. You can either go and play Marco Simone or JCB, which was also designed by Robin. <laughs> oh, uh, European whoa, golf designs. Whoa, 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 whoa. Well, the thing is, if I had a private jet, I think it'd be wasted on JCB. Yeah, good answer. So... It, it, helicopter's a different question but uh, <laughs> no I, I, I like I, I don't know obviously you've got different designs perspectives on it but I, I like both golf courses a lot and mm. I think the more I've played them 
because I've played Office JCP a hell of a lot. I enjoy it more. I play it, yeah. and I think with Marco Simone, I would love, I would love it more. I played it. Yeah, no, I, think, I think I'm getting a bit like that now with golf courses. It's probably harder for me to judge one a golf course I've only played once. Mm. I think I'm actually starting to appreciate playing it once and going, I like that. Playing it again and going. You know, I really like that. Playing it again and going, you know, I actually love it. Do you know? And I think that's maybe we not need many... one more trip to Italy than to Rome. <laughs> the three of us, yeah. Monday after the Ryder Cup, yeah, a little yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with our cigars and champagne, right, guys? Everyone, thanks for listening, Dave. Good luck with everything, um, and enjoy the Ryder Cup, everyone. It's going to be epic. Mm. Go Team Europe, and we'll see you next week. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.